0: Yo, so check us out, Chuck, the public enemy?
1: Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DOC, the Dicky Dicky
0: motherfucking guy. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, z What up, yo? This is
1: E-Shot. This is
2: Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This is your boy, DJ Paul KOL from 36 Block. Young Busy ball. Vice World. This is your man, Mastermind, the Hell Up. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you listen
0: to me on the Murder Master Music Show.
2: A Lot of these those be fake in the vision. and I see right through them like a motherfucking hologram. And if you want it, I can make a motherfucker pack, and you throw me the pistol grip, And I can really get it, hate the hog tied up, wrap them up like a motherfucking Christmas.
1: Episode eight twenty three, and it's airing on eight twenty three. That's not by accident either. It's just a coincidence. Um, man, we've been just knocking shows out left and right. We're almost at a thousand. Tonight we got somebody who just started a dope podcast. Uh, he's been on our show many times. I'm saying he's a Midwest underground hip hop legend, man. If you've uh, been paying attention. He's also, uh, you know what I'm saying, running his own things with uh, True Muscle Entertainment. He's down with, uh, um, you know I'm saying, No Limit, of course, rolling with Master P. I'm talking about the one and only Big Court, man. Welcome back to the show, brother. How you doing?
2: Man, I'm good. I'm good, my brother. Thank you for having me.
1: Always, always an honor, Big Court. I know last time you were on the show, uh, you, you revealed to us that you had battled covid um you know what i'm saying i'm glad uh see things are winding down a little bit man um you able to move around a lot more now
2: oh yeah yeah uh you know la is open uh it's been open for uh quite a bit now uh i say for a couple months now so uh yeah it's about a year almost that i had covet the last time that we spoke so uh i've been doing my thing man healthy getting along, doing my thing, you know, hustling, building this podcast, building these businesses, you know, doing what we got to do. So, uh, uh, you know, thank God I I didn't catch it again. Uh, Some people that I know, even they got vaccinated, they they caught it. And, um, you know, I don't have any necessarily – well, I wouldn't say that I don't have any effects. Uh, I can see little neurological things, you know, sometimes my cognition – and my memory is a little bit off. Sometimes my words are flustered. Uh, Sometimes I read things a little bit like I'm dyslexic. Um, So it's little stuff like that. Uh, I still kind of have a cough that lingers. But other than that, man, hey, I'm as good as new, you know.
1: Sorry to hear about the uh, ongoing problem. Mm -hmm. They call them uh, long haulers. Uh, They don't really know, you know, how long. Hopefully you get over that soon. Um, But uh, I'm glad you're here and you made it out of that because so many didn't. You know, um, right. not only did you make it out of it, but you made it out of it thriving. I mean, you went um, you know what I'm saying, uh, onto the Gangster Chronicles podcast. Very entertaining episode by the way, uh you know what I'm <laughs> saying. You, you, you yeah, and you and the homie MC eight, uh, you know, say you guys was getting a little heated about stuff there. What was going on with that? Uh he was talking about um uh-huh. you know what I'm saying, your dealings with Master P and whatnot. Um looked like it was getting pretty serious
2: um you know what uh, I, you know that's that's what the comments are saying and, and it it it, it kind of came uh-huh. off like that uh to be honest with you man shout out to them guys shout out to big steel shout out to uh uh Ma james big j you know and m c eight you know i, I gave m c eight his flowers uh after we'd done the show. I think it was just a conversation and amongst men uh men in the business. You know, we're all alpha males. That's what I love about Gangster Chronicles is, you know, they're going to say what they mean. Ain't no sugarcoating. Yeah. Ain't no pussyfooting. Uh, we we had a difference of uh, – I'm not going to say we had a difference of opinion because what we were speaking about in terms of the music business and in terms of uh, what's a good deal and, and in terms of how Pete ran his ship. Uh, it, it, it's really in my. It's not an opinion. It's not subjective. I mean, two plus two equal four. You know what I'm saying. So I think that maybe, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that maybe eight just didn't. I don't think he maybe grasped what 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 I was saying. Uh, uh, and that's okay. You know what I'm saying. But I think the comments and and people online they they may have uh, seen the exchange a little bit different. But you know, I got nothing but love for eight. I, I grew up listening to eight. Uh, he's actually supposed to come on to the Holding Court podcast, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, continue uh, that dialogue uh, about the business and 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 what's the deal, and even pick up where we left off since you know people seem to have taken interest in our in our exchange. You know what I mean? But uh, but it was all it's all good. It's all love. You know that that's the OG. And, uh, like I said, shout out to big steel. Cause, uh, he allowed me to come on there and, and, and chop it up with those guys. And, you know, I was a big fan. I am a big fan of gangster Chronicles and during the quarantine, uh, that was one of the podcasts that I would watch, uh, kind of religiously. Um, and that's during the quarantine is when I really started studying and paying attention and watching podcasts. And, and that was another reason that, uh, made me want to go ahead and, 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 and start my own. But, um, uh, you know I'm looking forward to going back on to the uh gangster chronicles, and like I said, hopefully me and eight eight was actually supposed to come to hold court uh a few weeks before I did gangster chronicles, but the scheduling was just we couldn't get our schedules together, so you know we'll see you know we'll see
1: yeah yeah that well that's dope man, that's dope that you guys can have a conversation about that. You were dropping some jewels, though. Um, You were talking Mm -hmm. about, you know what I'm saying, you getting a house and everything, and if things didn't go right, you always had that house to sell Mm -hmm. if you needed to. People don't think about things like that, you know.
2: And uh, I definitely
1: felt what you were saying.
2: Yeah, and the other part about it, I don't think that Ace understood, and when I went back and watched it, I think maybe he just – or maybe I didn't articulate it uh, as clearly as I thought I did, you know, because like I said, once again, you know, the, the mathematics are the math, regardless of how you feel about the music, the artist, or, or, or the CEO, the mathematics of the, is the math, you know, two plus two equal four, no matter how you slice it. So, you know, if, you know, we all know that traditional deals, especially back then, you know, you're talking about the nineties, you know, at the, at the end of the day, most artists were really concerned with just trying to get a record deal. So, you know, if you got 10 points, if you got 7 points, 8 points, 10 points, or whatever, each point basically is 7 cents. So if you somebody getting 7 points, you know, that's 49 cents you're getting a record. And so if you have a gold record and you're only getting 49 cents, I mean, let's just cap it off to 50 for even numbers. You know, that's only $250,000 that they are to pay you off of this gold record. But you have to remember, they have to recoup. So, so now yeah. you have to pay, you have to pay back the record company out of that two fifty. See, P wasn't doing it like that. Basically, he was splitting the bag with you. So, you know, if you had a gold record, and and, and say, you know, the, a gold record generates three million, three point five million dollars, give or take. You know, then after expenses, say a million dollars in, in manufacturing and fees and distribution for whatever promotions is deducted, it's two point, you know, two and a half million dollars. So basically, he just spent a million dollars on you out the gate and he basically took a million for his company, a million and some change for his company. So he split it with you. So there was really nothing to recoup. I mean, you know, he, he did it differently. So Uh, You know, that could never be a bad deal. So, you know, you got to think, if you're getting 49 cent a record like they were getting, and I believe that the homie MC8 was getting that deal when he was with Epic and with Sony, uh, he was getting a a deal similar to that. So you can't, you never get a royalty check. You never get one. So Pete, he just circumvented that. He said, hey, look, I know you fresh out the hood. You probably don't understand money. If I give you a million dollars, you're probably going to fuck this off. And then be back in my face asking for another million, so I tell you what here i'm gonna make sure i'm gonna make sure you're straight with your family, y'all got a house fully furnished, paid for in your name. here's you know half a million dollars, and here's a car or two of your picking to make sure you're straight, you know, okay, cool, now you can start your life now you have a you know you have a record, you're a part of this brand, you can tour, you can do verses, and you can turn in another record too so you know, I mean, you got to think, these are guys who just came, a lot of these guys were just guys rapping in the hood. You know, they 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 didn't have any leverage to try to. Of course, Snoop got treated differently. Of course, somebody like Mystical is different. But, you know, if you're you a guy straight out the hood and you no no incentive for a company to do all that for you, they don't even know if it's going to work, you know, so. Um, but yeah, you know, that's what me and eight was going back and forth. And like I said, I hope the OG come to the, uh, hold the court podcast and we can, we can hash it out again, you know?
1: Oh, he's got to, he's got to. And yeah. Tell he's got you, to, people want to see to it.
2: Yeah.
1: i tell you, uh, who also needs to come there is, uh, Willie and Scarface and you need to go to their podcast because, uh, they got a dope podcast too. They just started, uh, just a little bit after you. <clears throat> so mm-hmm.
2: I saw that. that would yeah. Be yeah. I saw that.
1: You know, uh, but before we talk about the Holding Court podcast, you know what I'm saying, which is very entertaining, um, Mm -hmm. I want to go back a little bit, man. I want to go back to your uh, youth, you know what I'm saying. You came up in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, the Midwest, man. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was a very rough area. You know, a lot of people didn't Mm -hmm. make it out of their lives, you know what I'm saying, to be blessed to to be where you are today. Uh, What was it like growing up for for, uh, Big Court?
2: Uh well you know, for me man, I come from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm from an area called the Faux Block, which is the forties. Um, you know, I'm born and raised. Uh I had a, a a great childhood, bro. Like, you know, even though we was in the hood, man, you know, I came from a, a loving household. Uh I was raised by strong women. Uh I was raised on love and not survival. So um you know education was a focal point in my in my household my grandmother used to make me read the dictionary and then she would when she got home she would quiz me on the on the words and the um the spelling and all of that she would always correct my diction and my enunciation which is why you know a lot of times people comment on how I speak you know what i mean so even though i'm hood i go in and out of it you know i can be what do you mean speaking uh... ebonics Huh? They don't
1: like uh, you being, uh, um, what would you call, it? articulate, so to speak? Hey, exactly.
2: Yeah. Well, no, not that people don't like you, but people comment on it. So a lot of times oh, people okay. make fun of me in a joking way. They'll be like, man, you like T.I. Why you just couldn't say a regular word? What does that mean? You know? <laughs> so yeah. So a, a lot of people want to see T.I. come on my podcast for that reason. Like, that's a running joke. Like, man, who going to who gonna have the most words? Who going to say the biggest words? They're going to try to outdo each other. So, But, you know, because of that, you know, a lot of people don't know. That's why I speak like that, even though sometimes I try to dumb it down and relax the conversation. I try to tailor my conversation for my audience. But, um, you know, so education was a focal point in my house. And, you know, from a a young child, I was reading the dictionary. I was reading encyclopedia and doing stuff like that. And I did well in school. Uh, But, you know, like anything else, you still got to go outside still have to go outside so you know you go outside and the hood is the hood you know especially around the 80s and the 90s as as gangs and and crack cocaine infiltrated the hoods you know crips colonized my neighborhood and bloods colonized other neighborhoods so we adopted that la gang bang mentality um and you know you you get mixed up in the bullshit you get street poison and and i did and, uh, you know, I, I had to do what I had to do as a youngster. You know, got my head knocked a few times. I was in jail at 15. I had my first child at 16. Uh, I ended up signing with no limit at, I think, 17 or 18. Um, you know, I did my my thing in the streets, and by God's grace, I was able to, and, and a lot of people praying for me, I was able to make it out of that and, and, and transition and, and transcend those uh, circumstances. So. Um yeah, you know, but it, Kansas City is dope, man. You know, it was you know, the funny thing about it. I was just talking with somebody about this the other day. Born and raised in Kansas City, you know, but I've been in LA half of my life now. I've been in LA like yeah. almost 20 years. So I, I remember you know, when you one, came out there. Exactly. Ago. So, you yeah. know, yeah, and I was just telling somebody, you know, here recently that, you know, probably within the last couple years I adopted you know, I felt like I was visiting L.A. even though I lived here. But just here recently, probably the last couple of years, I started really embracing it as being home. So, you know, kind of now I kind of claim both places, you know, because it's kind of like I'm born and raised in KC. You know, uh, you know, that's as a child, as a, as a, you know, as a uh, as a as E-40 would say, as a young mustache, you know. But then as I got as I got older, you know, I mean, shit, my adulthood was, was kind of was spent in LA, you know, so I got my formative years in Kansas City, but, you know, the game and, and, and in terms of taking my life to the next level and, and, and doing all of what I've done as an adult, that happened at, you know, uh, in LA, so, but, um, yeah, Kansas City, you know, a lot of people sleep on Kansas City in terms of talent, they sleep on Kansas City in terms of, you know, the game, in terms of really just what we're about and our understanding, you know, a lot of a lot of guys been tried to go through there from out of town and didn't make it out you know um you know so uh you know Kansas City's a, a you know it's a great city man we got a lot of talent down there and I'm really looking forward to us really having a movement and you know at some point hopefully I can help usher that in you know
1: Oh, absolutely, because you uh you're one of the uh, you know what I'm saying, maybe not the pioneers but one of the early mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying rappers yeah. to really uh get outside of Kansas City. You know, um yep, you because yep. yeah, you was on the down south hustlers, that was ninety five. Uh I think yep, Tech yep. came out um tech came out on the uh gang related soundtrack a few years later, ninety eight. But really, uh, yeah. Kansas City never hit that world stage until you hit it, you know, with your group CCG uh, at the time. Right. What was that like, man, um, going from the blocks of KC to, you know what I'm saying, Gold Album, Down South Hustlers? Oh,
2: Black man, that right was that was day. such a, yeah, that was that was such a great time, man, because, you know, it's like when you're, you know, it's like youthful, you know, like, like they say, ignorance is bliss excuse me, and it's that useful, um, you know, being a dreamer, you know what I'm saying? Like when you're a kid and you're a young guy, you know, the, 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 you know, your eyes are, are bright, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you bright eyed and, and bushy tailed about the world and how things go. So, you know, nothing is off limits. You think everything is possible. And a lot of times people lose that as they get older because life beat them up and different things like that. And they become gun shy, but, uh, you know, we were just kids, man. We were just young guys with a dream. I, you know, that's what it was. It was just young guys with a dream. I was never, um, I was never okay with just being local. You know, I always felt like, you know, complacency was the enemy of progress. You know, anytime you become comfortable, then you, you know, you stop growing. You know, comfort only keeps you small. You know what I mean? And at, during that period, a lot of guys. I mean, there was no internet. It was a different time. So. Back then, uh, you had to have a record deal or you had to understand the independent game, which was kind of just becoming a thing. But, you know, you had to get seen. You had to get heard. You had to get on. You had to get signed. And, and you know, that was getting somebody's attention. That was going to a record company or doing a show or something like that. But, uh, you know, there were some guys before us. I, I want to say in terms of the national stage, I, we may have been the first – I I, I I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but I can't think off the top of my head. But we may have been the first to receive a gold record and be a part of a project that was that big. I believe we may have been the first. I, I want to say we are because, I mean, the only other people that could have done it in terms of rappers would have been Tech. Uh, I know Rich, the factor, was still, he was independent. So um, uh, Tech, I can't. Think Because I know during that time he was messing with QD3, so I'm not sure what what he was doing at that point. But in, in in respect to being the first, you know, rappers to really break national ground and be a part of a gold record, I believe that does belong to us, CCG, in terms of rapping, in terms of rappers. Um, there were other people down there uh, putting it on. Like at that time we had, of course, Rich DeFactor, Tech, Tech. Um, we had uh, uh, Money G from Southside Posse. We had, um, damn, that's how you know I'm getting old, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> F- man, I, I, the, uh, yeah, we had S so to the many. B, who's the personal friend. Of, yeah, per, yeah, who's a personal friend of mine. Um, it, it was, it wasn't a whole lot like it is now. You know, everybody's a rapper now because of technology, but you know, there was maybe two dozen of us that that were really serious, that were really actually trying to do it and consistent with it. Um, but once we got with No Limit, man, you know, that, that that changed everything. It changed our disposition. It changed our mentality. It changed our whole, uh, the whole concept of what we thought the music business was, you know, because we in Kansas City, there's no industry there. So, you know, P we, we got a chance to see front row what being in the music industry and music business really looked like, you know. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a good time, man.
1: A huge, a huge life lesson right there. Um, now you, you get to pee right at the time when he's getting that eighty twenty, right when everything just starts coming together. Um yeah. you know, what was what was he like at that time as far as you know, his mindset? I mean, we know he he was constantly uh on the grind hustling, but what mm-hmm. was his uh demeanor like? You I remember you telling me you, you had gotten into a fist fight with him at one time.
2: You know, uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, P was wild man. Like back then P P has always been the boss, you know? P was the boss yeah but P has always been I don't know man like our, our connection and our relationship has always been that of brothers of big brother little brother you know uh P used to try to you know bully me and, and not, not in a bad way but in a in a big brother type of way you know what i mean and 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 we would get into it and we would fight over basketball games you so know that's when we that's when we really got into it cuz you know P's a baller and and you yeah. know i was a baller at the time as well and he would get to try to, you know, you know, bullying me and pushing me and hacking me and doing shit like that, and you know, I wasn't finna have it, you know. So we we go at it, but it was all in love. It was all brotherly love, you know what I mean? Um, but Pete was always the consummate businessman. He was always focused. He was always driven. Uh, I, ever since I've known him, since '95, he's the same, you know. And he he was wilder back then. You know, P kept two pistols on him. You know, all the time. P was he was exactly what you saw when you know. Of course, like he had the album Good Side Bad Side, like that's the truth. So you have, you know, Percy Miller, you know, the guy who was the business guy and all of that. But then you got Master P the goon, and he, he was that too. You know, P P is one of the, the the you know raps boogeyman. You know, I mean, let's just be real. You know, and he's right there with with Jay Prince, he's right there with, with Suge, you know, he just did, it. he just carried it a little bit different, but make no mistake, you know, P is definitely one of rap's boogie man. So, um, you know, it. but it's always been brotherly love with us, you know what I mean? So, uh, his demeanor was always just focused, man, where, where he ended up getting to, it's almost like he knew that that was going to happen, you know, but he understood he had to put the, the labor and the working into, to, to, you know, have that come to fruition. So uh, you know, he he's always been the same, bro.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like you said, you compared him uh to Jay Prince. Um mm-hmm. and you were able to sit down with him. Uh mm-hmm. T of course obviously, I mean that that's like your yep. brother. But uh T right. as well. Um yep. man I interviewed two two of the three. I never had a chance to uh, interview Jay Prince. What was it like Mm -hmm. to talk to those three guys, and what made each one of them unique in their own way from your perspective?
2: Man, you want me to tell you something, homie? I can be honest with you, bro. Like, these are guys. I mean, you know, P, again, let me separate him just for a second, but – you know, I've studied Jay Prince and Ice T literally my whole life. Uh Ice T was the first record rap uh gangster rap record I ever heard. Squeeze the trigger. Uh yeah. I think it was eighty six or something, eighty seven 87 maybe. Yeah. Uh, um that was the first gangster rap record I ever heard. Um, you know, I remember Jay I told Jay, you know, now um I told Jay that I had remembered when he was James Smith, you know, he had changed his name from yeah. Smith to Prince. You know, uh, I I ain't
1: to be played. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly.
2: You know, he had changed his name from Smith to Prince once he found out who his biological father was. So I remember him back before then. And I used to, for whatever reason, man, I was a kid and I always wanted to know who he was. You know, this is as far back as eighty seven, eighty eight. This is from making trouble. To to we can't be stopped gripping on the other level all of that and I was always like man who is that guy who is that guy and uh, he was always like an enigma until recently you know obviously with the release of his book but excuse me but you know he uh it was uh you know to be able to have a, a relationship with them you know what I mean uh, with Jay I I met him through uh, Julia Beverly you know that's how I kind of fostered that relationship. Um, you know, I'm honored, man. I never take it for granted, especially, in you, and you know as well, man, when you have people and figures like that that are willing to give you their time and they're willing to show up for you, you're always honored because you know they don't have to do it, you know what I mean? And you know they don't do it for just anybody, and they don't do it for just everybody. So, um, you know, to have the respect and and, and and to be able to be looked upon as a peer, you know what I mean? And, and a contemporary oh, yeah. uh by these guys that that i that i you know consider hip-hop's elite and legends like that that really it, you know and and along with that it's a testament of, of of my character and and who i am you know what i'm saying and my face and my name being being good as well uh but the game and the conversations that i i have with those guys and like with ice t me and him you know we have personal conversations you know and i'm able to talk with him you know, I can pick up the phone and call Ice, and he's always gracious with his time, and uh, you know, willing to give me a good, you know, piece of game and, and lend me an ear, you know, and give me some advice. So to be able to get, you know, game and have conversations with J. Prince, Ice T, and Master P, man, like, you know, <laughs> you know, for me, man, that that that's that was my bucket list, you know, right there, you know, like at the end of the day, I mean, other than having. Magic Johnson and uh Mike Tyson would be the other two that I would want oh yeah but but uh you know being able to sit down and, and talk with those guys and fellowship with those guys and even on a personal note and to to have their respect man it you know that's that's an awesome feeling, you know, and uh, uh I never take it for granted you know i'm 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 thankful to be very honest with you,
1: yeah, absolutely, man. when you interview somebody like that it it kind of makes you feel good that you're doing it because you know, like you said, these guys, you know, they don't do interviews very rarely. Like P, right. um, you know, uh, he he very rarely does interviews. Uh, Prince, we haven't seen him, like you said, since the book came out. Um, yep. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, tell us about this uh, uh, Holding Court podcast You said you started really thinking about it Seriously during the pandemic uh, Man, when did you uh, start Putting everything uh, uh, together?
2: Um, well, you know The podcast thing That was something I, I kind of got the bug uh, Some years ago, really uh, P had a show called Doing the Most On Playboy Radio It was a TV show slash radio show and uh, this is about five years ago. He asked me to be a part of it. I was a co-host, uh, myself, and Jay Tweezy, who is also a part of No Limit. He used to be a big program director and DJ down south. And so, um, you know, we did we we did the show, and you know, I remember Jay Tweezy would always give me uh positive feedback. He would always be like, Court, you're good at this. You're good at this. I didn't think nothing of it. I didn't even know what a podcast was at that time. I'm not even sure if podcasting was a thing five years ago. I could be wrong, but that just shows you how out the loop I was. And, um, you know, and uh, then I, I from there, um, Dash Radio had gave me a show that I did for a short stint, and that was my other uh, experience into that. And so P would always say, man, you know, he'd be like, man, a lot of people be intimidated by you, and they always think you're so serious, but people don't realize how funny you are, you know. Yeah. And, and he would say that, like, man, I wish people could see how funny you are. And and so, you know, over the uh, uh, over the course of the pandemic, you're just sitting and I'm watching podcasts, everybody's at home. And, and, and then, too, I would go live on social media a lot. And a lot of my followers would say the same thing, like, man, you need a podcast, you need a podcast, you need a podcast. So finally, you know, I got with my partner, producer Ken, and I was like, man, you know, let's do it. Because I knew that I wanted to do mine uh, differently. I, You know, again, I come, I graduated from No Limit University. So anything that we do, we're going to do it at the highest level we can do it. You know, so don't get me wrong. I mean, you have a, a lot of great shows and podcasts that, you know, they just set up in their garage and they and they do it. But – I had mine. I had I had it in mind to do mine on a on a grand scale because I I had, I, you know, I at some point I wanted to turn it into a talk show, um and and give it legs to be able to be a talk show. So this is why, you know, me and producer Ken, you know, put so much thought into the production. You know, my podcast is literally like a, a TV show. I mean, it's I had a sound stage built from the ground up. We shoot in Burbank, you know, on a sound stage. So I had my stage and my set built from the ground up. I had it designed. Um, You know, we shoot with three cameras. We got sound. We have a whole camera room. I have, like, 10, 15 people that we employ to bring this thing together. You know what I'm saying? So um, the production quality, I wanted to be able to to match, you know, that of or rival that of a Drink Champs or Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be able to play with the big boys out the gate, uh, and I wanted them to take the brand serious. So, um, you know, the content is king, so the, the content is the easy part. You know, being able to talk with people, I studied a lot, I studied a lot of podcasts. You know, I took cues from Vlad TV, um, I took cues from Jane Tamps, uh, Joe Rogan, um, you know, Everyday Struggle, all of that. I watched all of them, and you know, I kind of made my holding court podcast that of a, a hybrid of them all. You know, I wanted to you know, kind of have the interview style of Vlad, but then also the conversational uh, component like um, like Dream Camps or Joe Rogan. But then I also want to be able to have fun. And the other part that I really wanted to, to to highlight with my show and set my show apart was, you know, because I have the duality, you know, I'm able to talk about, Intellectual things, introspective things, uh, educational things, religious things. I can talk about. I can talk about an array of subjects uh, in detail, but I can also talk about the street shit because that's where I come from too. So I wanted to be able to have guests like like Tico Brown. You know, I had Tico Brown come in, and we're able to talk about you know the dope game. We're able to talk about the the CIA thing. We're able to talk about the streets in detail and from experience. But then I can also have someone. Like, uh, you know, like Mike Dorsey come in, who's a filmmaker, you know, and he did yeah, that, uh, uh, that Tupac like Murder it. Rap and Unsolved. Yeah. So I'm able to, to hold court with him and have an intellectual conversation. I'm able to have, you know, relationship gurus come in. I'm able to have someone like, you know, who hasn't been on the show, but he he's coming on the show, uh, somebody like a Derek Grace and be able to have him come on the show, and we talk about finances and and, and talk business and talk turkey like that. So I wanted to be able to have a show that was well-rounded, you know what I mean? And believable, where, you know, nothing is is outside of my comfort zone. You know, I've had female comics, I've had male comics, I've had white, black, you know, I've had filmmakers, I've had street figures, Crips, Bloods, the whole nine on my show. So, uh, you know, that was what – what I did that intentionally because I wanted to make it just as big as possible. And, you know, I wanted to be able to, you know, be up there with the Joe Rogans and the Drink Champs and all of that.
1: Absolutely, Ben. It's, uh, I'll tell you what, one of my favorite interviews that I ever did uh, was with Jesse Ventura because I had mm-hmm. him on here uh, reciting <laughs> Muhammad Ali's 1963 uh, Rhymes.
0: You know what I'm saying? Because that was his wow. hero.
1: He looked up to him. Uh-huh. You know, and, and um, you know, to capture some type of moment like that, it's just amazing. You know, when you look at what you've done already, I know you're just starting out, but you've already interviewed some mm-hmm. amazing guests. What are yep. some of the uh, favorite things that you've already captured?
2: Um, man, that's I'd say. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I had uh the the interview hasn't come out yet but I interviewed Breon Ansley who is um uh he's he's Mr Olympia um um he's classic physique Mr Olympia I think he won in 2019 or 2020 but anyway anybody that that keeps up with bodybuilding you understand that the Olympia is the Super Bowl of that sport and he's the he's the the, the Floyd Mayweather at, at at this moment of that sport. But his his segment was crazy. Like you know, it was what we didn't expect that from him. You know what I mean? Like you know, we figure he's a bodybuilder. He's you know he's an athlete. Dude was a wild boy. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so that one was 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 surprising. You know, X rated. I I was really honored to have X rated uh come come to the show. Uh, he's a personal friend of mine uh i was x rated is probably one of the most intelligent uh most well read most well rounded uh, introspective and deep brothers that that i've ever talked to you know what i mean um uh i was really excited to to have x rated on there we had a deep conversation i can't wait for people to see that um, oh that's um uh, yeah. Bosco one hundred, um, you know, his segment is running now and Bosco is just a fool. Like he had a cracking <laughs> yeah, up. Like yeah. Bosco will say whatever. He will say whatever. There's no there is no filter with him, you know what I mean? So um so I've had some, some great moments, man, uh thus far, uh on, on doing the show and not to mention I got pranked. You know what I mean? I got pranked on my oh. show. So yeah, what, what happened? Yeah, with so that? Uh, so MTV Jesse from the Nelk Boys from uh, Full Sin, uh-huh. I don't I didn't even know who this dude was. You know my my homeboy producer Ken, my co-producer, he hooked it up. I had no idea, and so uh, he he told me I needed to come in to to do some voiceover stuff for some of the commercials because I do a lot of commercials for some of the stuff that P has going on. And so, uh, man, he had dude posing as a as a as a sound guy. You know, and 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 dude was fucking up. I was about to break my foot off in dude's ass, but I, I didn't know if he was high or if he was just mentally challenged. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I was trying they to be as to. patient as I could. You know, <laughs> but uh, but they had cameras everywhere, so they like I literally got 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 pumped, got got pranked. So that was probably one of the most memorable times of going. Uh, the show and I believe it'll be out Here soon because I they, they sent the trailer He posted the trailer Because uh, he just I, I don't know he was he, He's got a big following I mean these guys Got like millions upon millions Of, of followers so uh, They don't realize how
1: it, how dangerous That was to be Man uh, listen
2: uh, listen it course, was man. real dangerous yeah they was This, this is the thing <laughs> you know going back on it See Ken my producer Ken he was making sure Because usually you know I mean, we're in Burbank, so we, we can be a little bit lax, but everybody know how I get down. So Ken, uh, he was asking me certain shit, like, like you know, looking back on it, he was like, man, you got your strap on you? <laughs> and I was like, no. I was like, no, that's in the car. Like, I was like, well, do I need it? You know, and we kind of joked about it, but he was making sure that, you know what I mean, like okay, I don't want it to go 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 too far, but uh but it, you know, it ended up working out. You know, dude pranks people all the time, so he he knows, you know, how far to like go before he really, you know, yeah. yeah, before he really get fucked up. So uh but you know, we laughed about it afterwards. I think it's it's going to be great promotion for the for the for the show. Um, You know, because like I said, these guys got millions of followers. So, um, and you know, I have a sense of humor, bro. Like Pete say, P always say, man, people always think you're so serious, which I can be, but you know, I have a I have a sense of humor too. You know, yeah,
1: you know, yeah, I remember, I remember, I'll you know? give. Let me give him an example, not to cut you off. Let me give him an example. Mm-hmm. I interviewed you probably. This might have been two thousand and two. And uh some uh-huh. Murder Dog magazine. And I asked you a question about uh we were talking about labels or something. I think I asked you if you would ever have signed a death row. And you're like, uh-huh. Yeah, i consider it but I wouldn't I wouldn't take no shit from Suge. I'd fuck him up if he <laughs> mess with me. I mean Yeah, yeah. You know I mean and, I, and remember, was, I, I remember I really I really felt I that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And I really I really felt that way, uh because you know, yeah, I, I don't I don't play them kind of games like, you know, I, I... You know, I've always well, time, had yeah. Some... He
1: was strong-arming a lot of people and stuff, and and
2: uh, I
0: yeah. Mean, there
1: was there were stories about him in the news all the time. But I think what you had meant was you know basically, well, hey, I'm a man, I'm not going to take that.
2: Exactly, shit. you know. And not only that, I understand. I come from that mentality, and one and you know one could argue depending on who you ask. You know, people could say I'm a bully, but I, I've never been the type to bully people that 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 couldn't. You know, I bully bullies. You know what I mean? Like most of the fights that I got in as a, as a, as a youngster were in, in behind defending people that couldn't defend themselves, you know? So, you know, I I consider myself a bully of bullies, but you know, I, I, yeah, I I don't have a temperament for that type of shit. And somebody just asked me about shoes the other day. And, you know, I, I, I've never had anything bad to say about the homie. Like anytime that, I've been around Suge. I would see Suge quite a bit at the Polo Lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and he was always super cool and pleasant with me. Um, even me and P ran into him one time. We were meeting uh, Waka Flocka and uh, Gucci Mane at, uh, at Philippe Childs in Beverly Hills, and Suge came. We didn't know he was going to come. And it was just me and P by ourselves, just me and him. And I think Suge has some of the OFTB guys with him. And um, – he was just super cool, He even with P. You know, he showed P with respect and love, and, you know, we all sat down and ate and chopped it up and laughed and all of that. It was all good. So, you know, I understand that, you know, just like in the hood, man, you know, niggas is going to try to do that shit with who they feel like they could do it with, you know? Like, yeah. if, if anybody, if motherfuckers smell pussy on you or they feel like they could press you or they do little shit to kind of test your heart and test your nuts and, and you wither, then a the motherfucker smell blood they're going to go right in but if you you know you check a motherfucker at the door or your resume is already out there and a motherfucker know that you know they're going to really have a fight on their hand or they're going to have to die about that then you know they're going to exercise a little more caution so um yeah you know, that's caution just
1: yeah absolutely yeah,
2: that's just how it is um
1: but well you know be, before we talk about um Go any further I want to talk about Mac real quick uh, He just got mm-hmm. out of prison uh, After yes. just, you know, so many Years have you had any mm-hmm. um, Contact with him or has P had any contact with him
2: um, Yes uh, P has talked to him uh, Silk uh, Silk went and saw him um, I've reached out to Mac I, I haven't talked to him uh, Myself directly but through Silk I've, I sent a message to him And told him congratulations And you know praying for him and you know, hope all is well, hope he lands on his feet, which I know he will, um, you know, offered him to come on to the podcast whenever he's ready, whenever he gets settled. So hopefully that's something that could happen in the future. Um, you know, I'm glad that Mac is home. Uh, I never really got a chance to cultivate a, a relationship with Mac. So, you know, I don't know him like that. Uh, but, you know, by all accounts, He's a good brother. You know, uh, I've never heard anything bad about him ever, and I'm I'm not, you know, a lot of people say that shit just to be saying it, but, no, seriously, I've never heard anything bad about Mac, Um, so uh, even before he went to prison. So, you know, I'm glad that they they let him out. He was an innocent man to begin with, so hopefully he can move on with his life, and I'm sure he's got, you know, some great things in store, and, and, you know, he's really going to, you know, uh uh do his thing now that he's home. So I'm looking forward to just seeing the great shit that I know he's about to do.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Uh any word on uh Corey? Um is he uh having any uh luck or is it still the same?
2: Um I, I you know, I'm not sure. Uh but, you know, everybody's still praying for, for C. Um again, another innocent man, you know, sitting behind bars. Uh, so, you know, whatever can be done is being done at this moment. Um, so, you know, from what I understand and from what I heard, he got, you know, he does have a shot at freedom. I don't know what those intricacies are. I don't know what those details are, but, uh, you, you know, know, just keep praying for the homie C murder. You know, he's a, he's a free guy. I mean, he's an innocent guy. So hopefully he's, uh, he's free soon as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I recently unearthed a clip uh, of an interview I did with him from 2004-2005. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. in the clip he was talking about what him and Mac would do when they got uh, released. So, yeah. man, it's, he's next. Hopefully he's next. Free sea murder, man. Um, for sure, for sure. Another thing, you know, heartbreaking, uh, you know, um, I got to hook up to um, – you know, since uh, since that uh came out, you know, the passing of uh Tiny Lister, um yeah, I know you were friends with him. I'm sorry for your loss, man. Can you reflect yeah, on his for us and, <clears throat> and tell us a little bit about him?
2: Yeah, man. Tiny 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 Man, that was my big brother, man. You know, that was that was definitely like, you know, he was a, a, a you know, a guy with a big heart, big dude with a big heart, you know. Tiny was it's it's crazy because he didn't take no shit, but he was still, um, you know, if he if he received you and and and, you know, he loved you, then he would do anything for you. You know what I mean? He was as gentle and docile, but he could really turn into Debo for real. Like that was really him, you know. So when you think back to uh, uh, who was he back in the day when he was a Red Zeus, like he was really Zeus, you know, um, that was a part of him. Um, but. Tiny man like when I tell you that that Tiny you know he would call me his his little brother in Hollywood and in real life uh he took to my family you know he loved my son uh my son has a uh, um um ADS oh, I'm sorry ASD and uh uh he's on the spectrum of autism and he loved my son he wanted my son to be a part of uh this TV show pilot that he had that me that he had produced for him and I um uh, but Tiny you know really advocated for me you know, I always say that in Hollywood, you know, Tiny and uh, Jasmine Lewis, my business partner, the actress Jasmine Lewis from Barbershop, uh, she's my business partner. But her her and Tiny are two of the people that have ad- advocated for me the most in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like, Tiny would take me to – so many meetings he would introduce me to so many people and a lot of people don't do that you know especially in Hollywood like they get real funny with relationships and information and and plugs and different things like that so tiny had no problem taking me to the plug you know whoever it was whether it was a film producer a camera guy uh, a actor or you know somebody in a in a in a high position because he, he'd been around for so long so he had relationships with all these people he would introduce me and say, yeah, Court is a good guy. This is my little brother. Treat him like you treat me. These are things that he would say, you know. So uh, he even put me in the last movie that I believe that he did was called The Sesh and, uh, with me, him, and Fredro Starr. And, you know, he literally de them guys into putting me in the movie. And I'm not making that shit up. Like, he literally told them, hey, listen, if you want me, you got to get my little brother too. And you know, and he was like, "Yeah, just come over here, man. They're gonna pay you soon as you get here, you know, so he made them pay me as soon as I stepped on set, you know, so he would do shit like that, uh, you know, so that man, that was my brother we did. I got the hook up two together, I played his uh little brother actually in in uh no, did I play his brother, or his, no, I played his nephew, and I got the hook up too, so uh, you know, good dude, man, good dude, I had no idea that he was sick. I had talked to him actually a few days before he passed away because I I, I helped him get the Porsche that he had. He had just bought a new Porsche from one of my guys out here that I buy cars from, and I had hooked him up with my guy. And so we were supposed to go rim shopping for it because he wanted, you know, he loved cars, so he wanted to put some rims on the Porsche. So we were supposed to do that 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 following weekend, but I had no idea that he was sick. So, you know, that was unfortunate that he passed away. But, yeah, that was was my brother, man. It was a good dude. I mean, one of the, you know – best dudes that I met, especially out here in this in this in this Hollywood shit.
1: Yeah, it sounded like he was like mentoring you a little bit, you know, taking you under his wing. Um, you know, uh, very, very talented individual. But um you know, again, sorry for your loss. Um mm-hmm. Man, Gore, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Before we get out of here, uh, I know my brother Sin over there in France. He might have a couple old time questions from the from the vault for you, real quick. You there, Sin? What's your?
0: Yes, yes, sir. Hi, hi, Scarlett. Hi, uh, big coats. Really uh, honored to have you on the show. Um, can you tell us about the song back the day you did with Mister Savon, "Ready for War," um, from your album tell the Diary." Uh, mm-hmm. ready for war classic
2: <laughs> oh yeah yeah that song uh shout out to my my brother mr servo man um you know the funny thing about that scott i don't even know if y'all know this i produced that song i actually i oh. actually did the beat on that song <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that you, was you were very yeah to yeah yeah that was that was me you know experimenting you know when i did thug's diary um you know a lot of people um they consider Pulling Rank uh, one of my classic albums, and between Pull and Rank and Kansas City Chief, but um, depending on who you ask. But Thug's Diary was 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 you know really it, it, you know you had to it was it was an acquired taste, and the reason being, I experimented a lot on Thug's Diary. Um, I was getting into production on Thug's Diary, and I was just literally when I tell you I was experimenting whatever. Everybody wasn't doing, I was trying to do. I was blending, you know, saw, I was blending sounds. Like, you know, um, Ready for War was a mixture of, that was No Limit, influenced by uh, 3-6 Mafia and Bone Thugs. So, you, you know, because you, that was the era. We did that song in, what, maybe 99 or 2000 or something like that, 98. So um, that was really just a, a, a fusion of all of those elements, you know, and, and, you know, we had fun doing that song. Uh, me and Sir, we actually recorded that song in Kansas City. Uh, he came to Kansas City, and we recorded it in our studio. So that was just a fun song that we did. We ended up putting it on uh, Spice One's uh, album, the Player Rich Project, and yeah. we put it on yeah. Starbone's album as well. Yeah,
1: shout yeah, to Sir he out to Spice so, One. Yes. You got any more, Shin? Is there, brother?
0: No, no, no. lose you. Uh, but, uh, oh, but this was a very rich project. It was, it was dope. You got phased out of three six. You, had, you got a lot of singing to your song too. You had a. <laughs> it was dope song. Mm-hmm. It was a dope competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, I right, we'll Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, bro. <laughs> Um, can you tell us about the song Dropping Through My City of your group CCG It was about Kansas City uh, It was a dope song too By the day Dipping Through My Which City Which song? Dipping oh, Through My, dipping my City, through
2: my city. Wow. wow, he went way back <laughs> <laughs> Man, Dipping Through My City Um, Man, I have to I, I, I have to be completely And totally honest with y'all Man, like you know, shout out to my homeboy Cisco. Uh, you know, my partner from C- CCG. You know, he was the creative uh, force and the, and the creative driving force and the producer and the and a, of a lot of that early CCG stuff. You know, he conceptualized probably ninety nine percent of those albums. Like, you know, you know, we the way that we operated, even though we were a duo, I was kind of like the the business the the manager the you know I was the mouthpiece of the group what what Cisco would do he would create the beat he would create the song he would do the chorus and then he would just tell me hey you got to write your verse you know what i mean so i would just fill in my verse to those songs but dipping through my city you know that you talking about mid 90s we did that song in maybe 94 the original dipping through my city we may have done in 93 94 And, you know, that was from the standpoint of, you know, back then you had a lot of riding music. You know, you had Dr. Dre with the Chronic. A lot of the music was Trump music. It was riding, cruising type music. So Dipping Through My City was really just us, you know, capturing what it was like in Kansas City to to get up, you know, uh, put on your khakis, put on your white Stafford T-shirt with the crease down the middle, Uh, you know, hop in the Cutlass, hop in the box Chevy you know have your datings go to the car wash, shine up your dating, shine up your Vogue, wax your car, have your beat in your trunk, you know, going down Prospect on a sunny day, uh, you know the, the 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 girls, you know, jocking you or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And 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 just capturing the whole essence of of a weekend in Kansas City, you know. So, that's what dipping through my city was and and it was that whole time of just you know, uh, almost equivalent to uh you know, SIBO had uh what, grooving on a Sunday? Uh, yeah you know, uh which captures, yeah. you know, what what it was in Sacramento or or Doctor Dre's uh uh what was it? Uh uh swing on down let to me the char- let me ride. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. so so our our uh, dipping through my city was the equivalent to let me ride. It was just the Kansas City version. So um that man it was really good times you know uh we were just like i said we were young guys man we when we did dipping through my city man you got to think we were 15 you know 14 15 16 years old so we didn't even have licenses you know at that point you know i'm riding stolen cars (laughs) you know i'm riding stolen cars when we created the first dipping through my city. So, um, you know, yeah, that that man, you just brought back some good memories. But yeah, shout out to Cisco, man. He he conceptualized and, and he came up with all that. And as a matter of fact, somebody hit me, Tobin, uh shout out to Tobin Coston man. He he plugged me with somebody, I can't think of the guy's name, but uh overseas you know, CCG is still a big thing. They still love all that old music, so oh, they yeah. you know they want to they want to press up uh, some vinyl uh, of a lot of our CCG albums and Tobin me plug me with that. So that's something that may be coming as well. But yeah, shout out to Cisco man. That that was all him. That's all his brainchild. All them CCG albums. Most of that, ninety nine percent of that is Cisco. And put
1: that Pull and yeah, album yeah. on vinyl, man. That's a classic. <laughs>
2: Yeah, now see, Pulling Rain, that was that was that was Court Dog, you know. Now, now Cisco produced yeah. most of Pulling Rain. He, he produced it, but in terms of the concepts and songs and all of that, I did. That was my first time really stepping to the forefront and doing that on Pulling Rain. That's when I met you yeah.
1: right back in uh yep. what, about '99, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. '98, yeah. '99. Wow. Yep. A better, better Dog Review Many years
1: <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah Many, many this, years, man Tim
1: was buying the magazine So he was seeing the reviews um, Yeah All the way over there You know what I'm saying Yeah uh, Yeah Man, thank yes. you, Tim For uh, the questions You got any more Before uh, we get out
0: here? You got one more? Sure Just one, um, In fact Kansas City is a big hip-hop city For a lot of groups Uh, I think about Richard Factor, of course, uh, Big Mm -hmm. Bay, Val Bacardi, Ledger, Mm -hmm. Hubble Town, Swell Hell. But the first one was where CST, uh, the Super Bowl Techniques, 16th Sixteen Seven Street, What Dog Mm -hmm. billings and the the first song uh, just gets fucked up. Can you tell us about the earlier scene of Kansas City? Like in the 80s?
1: What was it like in the 80s in Kansas City rap scene?
2: Uh, you, talking about, well, the Ro- you talking about with the road? You talking about with the road dog villains? Yes, sir. The Cst. Oh, uh, so, city so, so the, yeah. So the road dog villains. They they um that that song. They had yeah. They had the city on lock with that for about I say maybe two summers. Maybe um that was that was in the nineties. That was mid nineties. Um, yeah, the Road Dog Villains, man, shout out to those guys. You know, the Road Dogs, you know, that that, that that's a damn street gang. <laughs> that, they were just the rappers that came from that. But, you know, RDVs, the Road Dog Villains, man, they from the fifties. That that's that a game, man. You know what I mean? Them was them was B Dogs, you know, they were from the other side from where I'm from. But yeah, those guys had the uh yeah, that let's get fucked up, man. Them guys definitely had yeah. a run, especially locally. They had the city on lock for about two summers. Um, you know, one thing about, you know, I think with Road Dogs and with Tech and maybe a few others, you know, those guys that could make those club records, man, you know, those party records, a lot of those guys was getting production from Don Juan. Um, man, it was the guys that was really, really winning back then. You know, I'll be honest with you, you know, CCG and Court Dog, you know, we made gangster music. We made shit for the killers and for the for the guys in the streets doing all the all the dirt. Uh, we, you know, I just never had the disposition to be able to compete with them guys with the club records, man. They had that shit on lock, but, uh, and they made gangster club records on top of that. Um, but, you know, yeah, shout out to the Road Dogs, man. They ran they They had a run for about two, it may have been three summers, but, you know, that was a great time uh, when, when their record came out and, and they were pushing the city, you know, they created a level of, of healthy competition because, it, it caused everybody to be able to, you know, to have to step their game up. Because, um, you know, they were in the clubs, They were on the radio. They were, you know, locally, uh, they were, you know, number one. They were, you know, their record was number one over a lot of national major acts in the city. So they really had a, a good run. And, you know, I would have liked to see them, you know, be able to really, really take that further. Uh, I'm not sure what happened with them, Uh, you know, uh, If I think about it, I could probably come up with it, but I can't remember. But uh, as far as in the 80s, I don't know if it was a two-part question, but, you know, the music in the 80s, man, um, I don't remember a lot of rappers. You know, Tech has always been around, you know, so a lot of people don't understand. You know, with Tech, that's why his success that that he's having with Strange is so well-deserved. You know, Tech put the work in. Tech has been... You know, Tech's been a B-boy. He's been a break dancer, a dancer. He's been, you know, he's done hip-hop, rap, everything. You know, he's really been a part of the culture since forever. So, you know, Tech started in probably the early, mid-'80s. You know what I'm saying? So, um, in terms of rappers, there was these other two cats. I can't think of their name. They had Jerry Curls, and <laughs> they looked like 8-Ball and MJG. I can't remember their name, but they had a record out maybe, in the late 80s, maybe 88, 89, something like that. But, you know, we had um, Romeo Rodnell was doing his – we had Pure Dope. Yeah, Yeah, we had Pure Dope. They were doing their thing. Uh, We had Money G. A lot of people don't give Money G the credit, but Money G was doing his thing around 89, 90. Uh, He was a part of a group called PICO, Partners in a Criminal Organization, that would become – uh, SSP, Southside Posse, in terms of the music. Um, uh, so, you know, we had a couple people, you know, young uh, Rich the Factor. I think he came about 92 maybe, 91, 92, 93, something like that. Uh, but as far as the 80s, uh, those are the guys I remember, you know. And, again, you know, it could be some other guys that I don't know. I apologize to them, you know. But, yeah, those are the ones that I remember.
1: So many, uh, so many yeah. over
2: the years. Uh, thank oh, you. And, sir. Uh, hold on. Uh, I, I can't, uh, real quick, I can't, real quick, I can't forget about uh, Vel Bacardi. I'm sorry. I have to give oh, Vel yeah. Bacardi his, his uh, Vel Bacardi, he was the first, he was the first guy that, that, to my knowledge, to get a major record deal. He was signed to Def America I uh, with Rick Rubin, and he had, yeah. uh, I think it was AMG genuine liquor, liquor hits. yeah. So, so you know, Val Bacardi was probably the first rap artist. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But he was the first one to sign a major deal uh, and really come out on a national level. So so going back to what I said prior, when I said we were probably the first guys to, to, to get a gold record, the first rappers to get a gold record, but Val Bacardi, to my knowledge, was the first, you know, rapper from Kansas City to to be on a national platform. You know, so I have to correct myself from earlier.
1: What was, uh, uh, before I let you go, I want to give you the floor, but before I do that, what was your first initial impression of uh, Tech 9 when you heard him?
2: Uh, Well, you know, Tech evolved. Uh, You know, when, I'm trying to think, the first time I heard Tech, you know, Tech evolved, you know, because when he started out with Nuthouse, of course, the, the sound was different. You're talking about, you know, late 80s, early 90s um but when i first heard tech i can be honest with you i when i started really paying attention to him because re rap fast and he rap fast as well um shit i felt like i needed to step my game up <laughs> you know what i mean like you know uh music and rap was something that that i learned how to do you know what i'm saying so you know you have you know you have like with fighters you know what i'm saying you have you have fighters that fight great then you have great fighters. You know, it's a difference. So, you know, I, I might I might have uh, uh, rapped great, but he is a great rapper. You feel what I'm saying? So it was something that I learned. I believe it was something he was born to do. So there's a difference, you know what I'm saying? You know, so, um, yeah, man, Tech has always been a lyricist. He's always been a performer. He's always been a, a consummate artist, you know what I mean, ever since I can remember, you know. But, again, he comes from B-boying. He comes from breakdancing. He comes from the essence of, of hip-hop and rap and lyrics and battling. You know, he's done it. You know, he's he's touched every facet of, of rap and hip-hop, you know. So, you know, and he's put in the time and the work. So that's why he's able to do the things that he does effortless, effortlessly. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, the first time I heard Tech, I was like, shit, we got to step our shit up. You know what I mean? Because he was he – was, he was wrapping circles around us in a sense, you know, um, I mean, I'm not even going to say in a sense, it just is what it is. He was, you know, uh, we, we still was able to hold our own and do what we did, but you know, I'm not a man to succumb to my ego. I, you know, I'm not going to rewrite history and it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, he's always been a phenomenal, uh, artist, which is why, you know, I've always given him kudos and been very, very proud and happy of, what he's been able to accomplish with strange, you know, that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? Real shit. I I could never be a hater. You know, you have a lot of guys from the city that would talk shit about tech. And, you know, I I could never, ever down someone who was able to, you know, create such a illustrious, you know, brand and a successful brand and, and create jobs and opportunity. And actually, you're talking about millions of dollars, not thousands, not hundreds of thousands. You're talking about millions of dollars and be able to tour the world coming from Kansas City. Nobody else, no other rapper has been able to do it. And that's just the truth, you know what I'm saying? And mind you, I'm speaking facts. Me and Tech are not even close, you know what I mean? Like, we're cool, we're cordial, but, you know, I'm not speaking from someone who's on his team just defending them. I just, you know, I'm speaking the facts. So, you know, I'm for success and progression. A lot of guys who maybe be losing or lose or never – you know, never was able to get in the game might feel some other type of way. But, you know, listen, nobody really paying attention to the losers. So, you know, I salute that dude.
1: Yeah, uh, well, it's longevity. Anytime somebody, like you said, uh, 80s, you know, um, Mm -hmm. is able to to keep putting out the music. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. like I I always bring up Public Enemy. I mean, they just dropped a new record last year. Mm -hmm. You know, if they can do it, you know, uh, and there should be no age limit on uh, good music anyway, you
2: know. Uh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, I, I think that, you know, I think with the age thing, you know, we have a lot of that in the in the music industry. Um, I, I think you, the, you make the music, I mean, rap is the only, you know, genre that does that. You know, you, if you think about rock and roll and you think about a lot of the country music and R&B, man, those guys tour, and they make music and records until they die, you know. I think Pink Floyd, them people got to be a hundred dollars, uh, a hundred years old. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, uh, Mick Jagger and all of them, like these guys, are seventy, eighty years old still yeah. touring. You know, um, so I think rap is the only you know genre that does that. Um, I, I I don't I, I don't subscribe to that. You know, I think that you make music for who you make music for. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, I I think, you know, you have some artists like say E 40, E 40, you know, he's able to masterfully be able to still be relevant to the youngsters. You know, that works for him. You know, I understand how he's able to do it as well. You know, he understands the lingo. He, he, he understands to do songs with a lot of the youngsters. So he doesn't put himself on an Island, you know, his music stays, uh, up to date, you know what I mean. Um, he's still he's not making the same records that he made in 1992, you know. So he's able to expand his his fan base and still be relevant. You have a lot of older guys that can't do that, but that's okay because I think that they're making music for their fans, you know. So if the yeah. Ghetto Boys or Scarface drop an album tomorrow, I understand that's for me. You know what I'm saying? You know the guys that's listening to Spot 'em Gotem. And and, and and uh you know little dirk and, and all of that 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 ain't for them. You know what I'm saying? That's not for them. That's for me. And he's yeah. probably gonna make the record that appeals for it to me, you know, and the and people that, that us that grew with him that wanna hear that. So it doesn't mean that he still can't do it though. You know what I mean? Um now now I, I think that if a older rapper you know, now now I'm talking business because I'm a business guy, you know, more so probably than an artist. If you have an older rapper, I do see some older rappers that could, that could be A&R, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, you know, you're out of step. You know what I'm saying? Meaning that, okay, your dress ain't even right. You know, your approach isn't right your approach is antiquated. Your whole thing is, you know, yeah, you need a little bit dusting off or whatever, but that doesn't mean they can't make good music. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, but no, you know, to your point, I don't think that there's an age, uh, there should be no age limit, man. Good music is good music, period, you know?
1: Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. Willie Nelson's still on the road every fucking year, you know? So, I mean, um, there's... Definitely no age limit. I want to thank you, brother, for the uh, great convo. Always good game. Uh, it's always an honor. Before we get out of here, uh, Court, uh, and let them know where they uh, can check out your podcast and uh, anything you got going, man. It's, I'm just going to give you the floor. For all, sure. yours, all, right.
2: all right, man. Well, listen, I want everybody to subscribe, like, and comment to the Hold in Court podcast on YouTube. Uh, it's also available on all streaming platforms, Hold in Court podcast. You know, we got – Guests like Michael John White, uh, Master P, J. Prince, Flesh and Bone, um, Ice-T. You know, we we have so many, you know, eclectic guests, Bosco 100, so I want you all to subscribe to that. Also, follow Holding Court Podcast on IG. Follow me at I Am Big Court. Um, Also be looking for new product that I have. Me and Master P developed a, uh, a, uh, um, a healthy snack. Everybody knows he has the wrap noodles and the wrap snacks. Uh, we developed a healthy snack. We have protein bites. Uh, so we have a whole array of, of healthy snacks for the public. Um, I'm spearheading that arm of, of of his business in terms of the products, getting into the grocery stores. So we got that coming soon. Um, also I have a, a, a new dating app that I'm launching real soon for special needs kids. Again, like I said before, I have a twenty one year old son that's on the spectrum with autism. So I created a, a a app called Special Love that is a um you know, it's a dating app for special needs young adults that gives them a safe place to be able to, you know, congregate and be able to meet people and, and talk with people that are, you know, that are uh, I should say in the the share of the same space that they have. And again, it's it's gonna be a safe place to make sure that no one's taken advantage of. And you know, so uh that's something close to my heart. And I also have uh, a new TV show that I developed called Twelve with my business partner actress Jasmine Lewis uh co wrote co uh well written by Greg McBride. Uh it's a show we got sticky fingers attached to it. We got Master P attached to it. We got Dion Cole attached. Uh, we shooting it in Kansas city. Uh, so, you know, we, we're in talks with a few, uh, big streaming platforms in terms of production. So, uh, that's what I got going right now, but you know, the holding court podcast, man, it's, it's, it's taken off. So it's really gotten bigger and a lot of, uh, good reviews, man. I've been doing a lot of media, uh, you know, it's been blowing up a lot quicker and faster than I thought it would. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got cracking right
0: now.
1: Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, sorry about that, Court. I'll edit that part out, man. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always an honor. You know, you're yeah, you're a sure. guy that wears many hats. You wear them well. Uh, it's always good to see you uh, doing your thing, man. Uh, much longevity to you. Much success in the future, brother. Keep doing it.
2: All right, I appreciate you, my brother. Like always, man, and you know, hey, keep doing your thing, man. You've been doing it for a long time, so you know we appreciate you. You know us in the rap community and the entertainment industry, man. We we appreciate your platform. You've been doing it a long time, so you know want to give you your flowers as well.
1: Hey, thank you very much, man. That means a lot, uh, Court. You take care of yourself, brother.
2: All right, God bless you, bro.